Well, we're glad you're here this morning, um, whether you're here in person or, um, sorry, getting my notes set, <laughs> or, or uh, online this morning. We're excited you're here, and um, just uh, just excited to be back together in the building. I know it's still a little weird with the distancing and things, but um, yeah, it's just good to be back together. Um, this morning, uh, before we jump into Colossians, I was challenged this week to talk a little bit about some things that are happening in our culture. Uh, somebody had mentioned the fact of we don't often, I don't often share a whole lot when it comes to culture or things that are happening around us, but there's some pretty big news and some pretty big things happening around us, obviously, as a nation right now. And uh, it's going to bring out the theme this morning in Colossians, but I thought I'd take a second and just talk about it. But there's a couple reasons why I didn't want to address a lot of the racial tensions and things that are happening currently uh, online. Um, one, I don't like to post a lot of that stuff online just because it just feels impersonal. I'd rather have the discussion here uh, among our, our brothers and sisters here at, at community uh, face-to-face. And then there's also some, I think, probably some personal reasons when it comes to all these big cultural things that come up. Uh, one is uh, fear of getting things wrong can often, oftentimes paralyze me in inaction, right? I don't want to say the wrong thing or put a message out that isn't um, biblical or, or helpful. Um, and so, and the other one is uh, remaining apolitical uh, can sometimes lead me not to talk about cultural issues because uh, I really tend to lean um, apolitical. I don't go to one side or the other. Even I, my posts and stuff on Facebook, Instagram, social media, I just don't do a whole lot of that. Uh, and other things too, like I don't really want to agitate people. I want to hear people. And so I want to just let them share and, and politely agree at times. And I think some of those reasons have kind of held back some of the, the um, message a little bit for me personally, as far as a lot of things that are happening to us as a nation and as a culture. Uh, and I realized a lot of the reasons I gave probably weren't really good enough to not share something about where we are as a as a country. And I feel like they need addressed, especially living in Lawrence Township and um, small town. And how do we really deal with these issues that are all around us of race and, uh, and culture and the COVID epidemic and all these things that have come at us? How do we deal with that as a small town? Um, and I wanted to kind of share a little bit of things this morning when it comes to that. And I found myself thinking of when we first started the church um, coming up on five years ago, which sounds crazy, but uh, in that time, there were some names that kind of kept coming up. Michael Brown, Freddie Gray, Eric Gardner, Bria Taylor, George, George Floyd. And, and looking back at all those names and, and things, I'd look back and I'm like, I didn't really mention a whole lot of uh, where we were sometimes on those. And I sat silent and um, I want to really move forward saying I want to find the balance between acknowledging them and also challenging us to live out what Jesus tells us to live out in John 17, 14 to 19. He says, I have given them your word. This is talking to the disciples, and I think we could take this ourselves. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. You see, I wanted to address it this morning just because I think it needs to be something said from us as a church and where we kind of are are moving forward. But I think in this community, um, they'll watch not only our words and our actions as a church, but I truly believe they're also going to watch our silence and our inaction as a church. And so 
two things kept coming to mind. One, the, the murder of, of George Floyd is, is truly, uh, to say it's sinful is kind of an obvious thing, right? Um, to know that it's uh, hurtful and other things to the, to the, to the nation is, is obviously obvious. And so um, we need to first acknowledge, that, yeah, that's, that's good. But at the same time, if it's sinful, then, then what are we doing about that? Like, how do we bring obedience and confession and things like that to the sins of those, those issues? And then also saying this issue is a sin issue and not a skin issue, while helpful and true on social media, it, it could often be lost in the mix of all the other messages out there. And so one of the uh, podcasts I was listening to this week was really, really powerful of a pastor interviewing uh, another friend of his just on this issue. And I'm going to paraphrase, but they said something along the lines of there can be statements that are loaded with spiritual truth, but they can often become unhelpful and unfortunately even useless because of just how much they get tossed out. And so saying it's a sin issue, not a skin issue, yeah, I I get that. But at the same time, what do we do to respond to this? Because I really feel like not saying something can be a slap to the face to our brothers and sisters in the African-American community and not truly respond with grace and respond with acknowledgement of what's happening. And so as we go into the big idea this morning, I want to let you know that I'm personally learning how to respond and not just sit. I'm personally figuring out how the best way for us as a small church who is predominantly in a white area, uh, what do we do to, to interact with this? And, and here's a couple things that I think are, are somewhat helpful right now and where we are in this issue. Um, first off, I feel like talking to your kids um, and basically, you know, you know their, your, their temperaments, you know their ages, what you can share, what you can't share. But I really encourage you to talk to your kids because uh, it's all around them right now. Uh, let them see the news. Let them wrestle with some of the news that's out there. Um, talk to your friends about it. Challenge any prejudices that may exist. Um, it, it could be you come from a family that has that crazy uncle or relative who just says those things and you're kind of like, oof, you know, and that, that needs to be addressed and not just kind of brushed off. Um, challenge phrases that you hear around you that are not helpful or truthful. Um, talking and challenging coworkers and conversations. And, and here's the other thing I would say as us as a, as a church, I would really challenge us as a church to think critically through these issues and not just post things quickly. Um, I think in a social media age where things just get posted and then left behind. It's important for us to remember to think critically about everything that we post. And do you truly support everything that you're posting about? And so organizations or things like that, do you truly understand the movement and understand what's all, all aligned with it? And are you sure you agree with it to think through it? And that's, that's kind of the negative side. Now on the positive side, and this is where we're going to head into the Colossians this morning. Now the positive side is this. Through this crazy, crazy time that we're living in right now. 2020, as you know, has been absolutely nuts. Here's the beauty, I think, and and it's actually going to lead to our main point in Colossians this morning. We are seeing in the reaction to George Floyd and other things right now, and the protests that are happening even this morning and around us, um, we're seeing something really positive come out of this, and the fact that the gospel is being advanced through this. You see it in social media, whether it's down in Canton, whether it's prayer rallies in Lynchburg or wherever it is, you're seeing prayer rallies around this issue, which is just amazing of God to say, I'm going to take something like this and I'm going to redeem it and put it into the thing that we can basically use the gospel to change the things around us. And I love that we're seeing more and more images of that. And that we can truly get behind and say, we need more prayer. We need more conversation. We need to listen better. 
And so I just wanted to acknowledge those things out front and not to avoid those things that are happening around us because they are large conversations that are open to the gospel around us right now. And here's the main point that this all leads to, and I think it's the main point that I'm going to bring out of here, Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. I am so thankful for God because through the gospel, he is producing fruit, and truly, I want more of it. That's going to be Paul's main theme here in Colossians 1. He's going to hear of this church and he says that there's a gospel that is being producing fruit and it's really amazing to watch what the gospel's able to do. And I honestly want to see more of it. I want to see more of it here in this community as well. So let's jump into Colossians chapter 1. We're going to begin in verses 1 and 2 with some introductions. And then we're just going to continue on into Colossians this morning. So Colossians 1, 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from our God, our Father. So the first thing we're going to see is some introductions. Who's who? You're not going to see it here in verse 1, but you're going to see it later in chapter 4. There are uh, an entourage of, of people that have brought this letter to this church in Colossae. And here's the interesting thing about this church in Colossae. This is not a church that Paul planted. He had nothing to do with this church. He really didn't know much about it, except for a guy named Epaphras, who many believe was the pastor, the planter of Colossae. We don't really know that for sure, but we know Epaphras was a lead pastor, leader in this church at Colossae. He's visiting Paul while Paul is in Rome under house arrest. So think not just ankle bracelet, but he's literally chained to a guard 24 hours a day, and that's his freedom he has right now. So he's in Rome. He's chained to this other guard. Epaphras visits him at this house house arrest, shares this news of Colossae's church, and he says, here's some things that are happening, Paul. And so one of the key figures is Paul. The other key figure is Timothy, who is the uh, disciple of Paul. Paul kind of poured everything he did into Timothy. Epaphras, the possible planter, who we also know about Epaphras, he actually ends up in prison with Paul at some point. We know that from the book of Philemon. Uh, And then we also hear that there's a guy named Onesimus that comes to deliver this letter as well. And this is really, really cool. Because Onesimus, if you know the book of Philemon, Um, was a slave that was freed. And he was given his freedom and he was raised in the church and said, you are now equal among the leaders at the church. So he took him and said, you were a slave and now you're at the level of pastor, planter, Epaphras, Paul, Timothy, Onesimus, you come with us and deliver this letter as well, which is awesome. You're gonna see that at the very end. And then you have a guy named Tychus and we're gonna talk about him in a little bit. But there's basically one, two, three, four, five different guys that have arrived with this letter and this letter would circulate all these different churches. Now, when I say different churches. It's the church at Colossae, but it's a bunch of house churches spread out in this region. So they come, they have the letter. The letter is circulated around and not just them, but the the letter would also go, it says, to Laodicea and and, and it would just be uh, a chance for everybody to hear it. Now, Colossians 1 through 3. So what's this letter about? What's he going to get into? Let's go into verses 3 and 8. He says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we pray for you. Since we've heard of your faith in Jesus, in Christ Jesus, and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing. That's awesome. And as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood it, the grace of God in truth just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. 
He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. So Epaphras visits Paul and he says, hey, Paul, you got to hear about this church. They are killing it right now when it comes to the gospel. And he highlights three big things because let me just kind of sum up one thing here. When we read Colossians 1, it's going to be all over the place, much like listening to me. It's going to be all over the place and there's going to be run-on sentences and Paul's going to interject here and he's going to go here. So let me, we're going to do some summations. So all of that he just said can be summed up in saying, I've heard about three major things that your church is doing well. They have faith, they have hope, and they have love. I've heard of your faith, I've heard of your love, and I've heard of the hope that is laid up for you. Faith, hope, and love are amazing things to hear about from any church because these are the three things that you as a Christian will never be able to fully cross off your bucket list this side of eternity. You will never be able to fill up enough faith. You'll never be able to love enough that you've kind of said, you know what, I've reached the age of 82 and I'm out of love. I've, I've drained that tank dry. I've done all that I can do in love. I don't have to be loving anymore. I can just be cranky, right? And unfortunately, you know those 80-year-olds, right? Because you're like, I don't want to hang out with that guy because he's just bitter and old, right? He's still like, he's, he's just filled up my love tank and that's all I got. No, faith, hope, and love are always going to be out of our reach as a fully conquered thing until we get to eternity. And even more so, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says that love is actually eternal. So it's not just something you're going to have here. That cranky guy is going to have a rude awakening when he gets to eternity because he's going to be like a thousand years into eternity. He's going to be like, oh man, I still got to love people. Yeah, guess what? It's eternity. So it's forever. Good luck, right? So faith, hope, and love are things that have to remain. All things are eternal. They are all moving you forward while trusting in a past event of the gospel. He is saying, I am thankful for this church because it's gospel and because the gospel and its power are in those who are abiding in Christ. He says this in 5b uh, into 6. Of this, you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. He says, so you've heard the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. So let me define two things, gospel and fruit. He says you've, you, you, you've, you've endured in faith, hope, and love, and you've heard the gospel, and the gospel is producing fruit, which is a unique uh, phrase for us to understand. So let's, let's just start with gospel. When we say gospel, here's what we mean by gospel. Gospel is you were created by God in relationship by God. God chose you. God created you to have a relationship with him. Because of Adam's sin in Genesis chapter 3, because of the fall, there is a broken relationship with God. The only way that broken relationship with God, the only way to not be an enemy of God is to believe in Jesus Christ, and that's redemption. Jesus Christ went to the cross, paid the price for our sins, rose again in the third day, and now is living triumphantly forever for us. And so that there's a redemption that happens. And last part of when we say gospel is that there will be another resurrection. And that other resurrection is when we as Christians will be with Christ for eternity. He will come back and he will take us to himself or we will perish on this earth and we will find ourselves face to face in front of Jesus Christ. One of, one of those two things is going to happen. But when we say gospel, here's what we mean. We mean creation, fall, redemption, new creation. It's a message. It's words. It's truth. And it's something that, that Christ even shared with his disciples. We're going to see later in John 15. But that's what we mean when we say gospel. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration, new creation, however you want to say it. That's the full gospel. So if that's gospel, he says, 
the creation, fall, redemption, new creation is producing fruit. <laughs> to which I read that and I'm like, huh? Like, what does it mean that he's producing fruit? That's a weird analogy. I've heard that we're supposed to produce fruit. I've heard that there's fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. Like, it was a weird kind of how do we work that? What does he mean it's producing fruit? Well, I have to go back to plants and fruit and science. Okay, so, so here's what we know about fruit. Here's what we know about plants, right? Um, fruit production is a process. Yeah, just like first service, nobody wrote that down. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's true, yeah, it's true. Right? Nobody, nobody, that's a, we all know that. If you don't know that, I'm so sorry, but your school system has failed you miserably. It's a process, right? Fruit is, it, production is a process. Fruit production takes pruning, right? There's going to be some times where it's going to be, things aren't growing and they have to go and they redo some things. And then fruit production also takes patience, right? And all these things you know, right? This is not revelation to you, hopefully. But fruit production is a process. It takes pruning and it takes patience. And all of those things are related to the gospel. When you share the gospel, when the gospel is going out into the world, it's a process. It is pruning. It is sometimes difficult and hurtful to hear the gospel. And then he says it also takes patience to see the gospel work. Some of you may have family members that you've shared the gospel with them numerous, numerous times. It's been at nauseum. And every single time they're like, nope, no thank you, no thank you, no thank you, no thank you. Because it takes patience and the process and the pruning is there. The gospel, though, truly produces change in us. And that's important to know. Because of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit that produces fruit in us, Galatians 5, to 24. And the analogy is that of the plant called the Holy Spirit producing fruit. And that fruit then, it, it, it works not only in us, but through us. Because of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit producing fruit in us. So it's, it's this, if I had a plant here this morning, which I, I almost brought one, but um, it would be as if the trunk is kind of this idea of, of the Holy Spirit in us is, is, is strengthening us, working through us. And as it's working through us, because we are attached to Jesus, because it's working through us, there is fruit that is on the branches and vines of this, of this plant. And therefore, we can see that it is producing something that is called fruit in the life of other people. That's the gospel moving forward. To put it another way, gospel produces change in us, but the gospel also produces change through us, okay? So yes, we can think about it just for ourselves, and yes, he, he's changing me and making me a, into a more Christ-like person, but ultimately we have to realize that gospel produces change through us, hopefully. And when I, and when I say us, that's on purpose. It's not God, gospel produces change in you, but gospel produces change in us as a body, as a church. This is a, this is a team thing. This isn't a you thing. Okay? And, and gospel produces change through us. He says a little later in verse 10, so as you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, he says, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So he says this bearing fruit is also in good works. This bearing fruit is something he does through us and help make sense of how that works. We need to go to John chapter 15. This is Jesus talking to his disciples right before he goes into the garden, right before he heads towards his death. This is kind of Jesus' final words to his disciples in John 15. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. And so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. He says this fruit will be produced because you're attached to the vine, which is me. And so the first thing we have to understand is how we're going to bear fruit is fruit comes from being with Jesus. 
John 15, 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You see, I fear that many of us here this morning may only be for Jesus and, and miss the crucial piece of being with Jesus. We as disciples can be so focused on what we do for him that we miss being with him. I shared this at the guys' study as well, but I think there's so much that we hear that we're supposed to do and, and believe and act on as good Christian people. And that's great. And I, I think we should be for Christ. But for Jesus mentality, that, that just being for him breeds a mentality that all of my fruit, all of it, is good works, right? A random act of kindness here, random act of kindness there. I do all these really good, nice things because I'm for Jesus, hoping that as I do all these good works for him, it'll be enough to keep God happy with us or at worst, you know, keep him off my back for a week. Or it's just, a, it's, a, it's a mentality that sees it as being for him. And being for him, it, it causes us to miss the statement here by Paul that the bearing of fruit is in the good work, not because of, of the good work. Does that make sense? So he's saying the bearing of fruit is in the good work, not because of the good work. You could do a bunch of really good things your entire life and miss the gospel. You know people like that. I know people like that. And the quick warning is this. While the fruit looks good, we have to remember to inspect it to make sure it's the real thing. Because just like wax or plastic fruit on a table is for decoration, decoration only, if it's not natural, it's not good, right? The bearing of fruit is because the gospel is in us, but it's in us because we've been with Jesus, not just for him. I think we have a, a, a time right now that we have been offered by Christ that says, yes, there are a lot of things you can do for me. But if you're just doing things for him and your inside is a, is a wreck, right? You're, you're, you've never spent time with him. You're, you're never having a relationship truly invested just in him. You're always trying to produce for him. I share with the guys, it's, it's like if you're, you're always doing things for your kids, but you're never with them. So, so much of my time, I feel like I'm doing things for. But in reality, what they're asking for is just to be with, right? I know you love me because you do those things. I know you, you love me because you're crossing off all the checklists at home. I know you're doing, you love me because you have a job and you bring home a paycheck. And I get that you love me because you do those things. But what I'm asking is, you, could you just be with me today? Not accomplishing anything, just being with me. And I think the same is true with our relationship with Christ. I think often we're weirded out by it and we don't like the statement of being with Christ because we feel like we've got to be doing something all the time. And I feel like God's saying, yeah, we will, we will. I'll produce the fruit in you. Your job is to be with me. Your job is to abide in me in the vine. Because if the root is bad, the fruit will be as well. If the root is plastic and fake, the fruit will be plastic and fake. And I do not want our church to be known as a church who is plastic or fake. I want us to truly see that the gospel is changing us inside. And because it's changing us inside, we are able to live it out in the world. 
Fruit comes from Jesus. No other place. You can't muster it on your own. Fruit only comes from Jesus. That's it. It comes from being with him. So that when you're with him, then you can be for. But if we miss the with, man, we're going to miss so much of the gospel. Which goes back to the main point again, that I am thankful for God because through the gospel, he is producing fruit. And I want more for this church. I want so much more for this church. And when I say church, that means you all. So don't think building and, you know, this is you. I want more for you. I'm greedy. I want more. (laughs) And I want to see more fruit produced in us as the gospel gets lived out through us. And here's Paul's Paul's challenge in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and it's my challenge for you this week. I want more. (laughs) I want to produce more fruit. And it comes in a way that we are with him, and it comes as we are with him through a prayer that Paul gives us at the end of this section. So here's the prayer, and let me just kind of caution you, this prayer is a Paul prayer. It's a Joel prayer, right? It's kind of that thing of like on and on and on and on. Like the period to this sentence won't come until much, much later, okay? So he's going to give this big idea, and you're like, okay, so what's he really praying about again? Because he started here, and he's ending with here, and I... There's like seven, eight words, adjectives, phrases in that one prayer. So let me just kind of break it down. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to break it down to what I think Paul's saying here. And so, from the day we heard it, and we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Stop. Boom. That's the prayer. Okay. So, but you're like, but there's like four or five other verses after that. I know. He's going to ramble through those. He's going to get through them. But that's the main prayer. The main prayer this morning is that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will. Now, this is not the kind of will of like, okay, where are we going to eat after here? That's not, that's, if you're praying about that, (laughs) I love you, but man, you got some Serious help in prayer. Because, um, you know, you could pick wherever you want. I don't think that's a godly thing of where you're going to eat. All right? If, if you're praying for God's will in your parking spot this morning, uh, sorry. Um, and so it's not kind of like, or if, you know, writing the name in the sky of who you're going to marry or, or whatever it is, right? That's not the kind of will we're talking about. The will we're talking about here is the thing that pleases God. What is it that pleases him and makes him get giddy, right? What are the things really just he loves? He filled with the knowledge of his will. That's his prayer. And then he's going to fill it in with all the rest. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, (laughs) giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, period. (laughs) He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom and his beloved son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sin. This can be simplified into one big prayer that I want us to pray together this week as a body of believers here at community. Here's what I want you to be praying. Here in this room, those online, here's, what our, here's our prayer. God, would you fill us and like-minded churches around us with the knowledge of your will because we're thankful for the fruit you've produced but we want more in your powerful name. Amen. That's, that's the prayer. God, would you fill us with the knowledge of your will? Because we're thankful for what you've done in the first four years, coming up on five years of church, but we want more. I want more. 
I want to see the gospel change lives even more than it has already. God, would you fill us and like-minded churches around us so that we would see more? Because this prayer, the prayer of God fill us with the knowledge of his will can get summed up in these three points, right? The knowledge of his will, when we pray that, we also get, verse 10, we get A, increasing the knowledge of God. That comes with this prayer. We get strengthened with power, and that strengthened with power is for endurance, which we all need, and it's for patient joy. That's a, that's a characteristic you love in other people, but it's so hard to find in ourselves sometimes, right? We want to see that knowledge of his will being producing this uh, knowledge of God, strengthened with power for endurance, patient joy, and then thankful that we are qualified, delivered, and transferred we, we don't have time to get into all that this morning, but it's the thankfulness that we have, God has qualified us. He has delivered us from a dominion of darkness. He has transferred us into him. And so to sum all of that up, this prayer, the prayer of God to fill us with the knowledge of his will goes back to the gospel. Because when we truly look at the gospel, when we are with Jesus Christ and not just for him, when we are intently looking into the gospel, here's what happens. John Piper says it like this. I think it's a great way to see it. The gospel, when we are truly praying for God's will, the gospel gets bigger, grace gets bigger, Christ gets greater, his death gets more wonderful, his resurrection gets more astonishing, the work of the Spirit gets mightier, the power of the gospel gets more pervasive, your own sin gets uglier, The global extent of the gospel gets wider. The devil gets more evil. The gospel's roots into eternity go deeper. Its connections with everything in the Bible and in the world get stronger, and I would say louder. And the magnitude of its celebration in eternity gets louder. We, as the gospel is being produced, are causing things of celebration in eternity that we can't even hear that are echoing for eternity. And if that's what looking at the gospel does, and if gospel produces fruit in us, and that stuff happens, I'm greedy for more. I want more. So here's the prayer. God, fill us and like-minded churches around us with the knowledge of your will, because I'm thankful for the fruit you've produced. Yes, but I, we want more. Let me pray for us this morning in that. God, we could go a bunch of different directions in Colossians, but I thank you for the central focus as we start. Because this is going to get so clear in the rest of Colossians that that's the heartbeat. That we have opportunity to respond to the gospel, yes, and, and, and there are so many that have here at Community that have responded to the gospel, who have believed the truth of Jesus Christ, who have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But God, there are many more that have not. And so I pray that this this would be the start of our year together. And I know it's weird to say start of the year in June, but I feel like there's some resetting, God, that you're doing to us as a nation. And so I pray this would be our reset, that we'd be able to say this is where we go from here, that the gospel in us would produce fruit through us. And that we see the fruit, we'd celebrate it. We say, man, thank you, God, for transforming lives through the power of the gospel. Thanks for doing it through these racial tensions. Thanks for doing it through COVID. Thanks for doing it through all these things that we see the gospel advancing. May we join into it and may there be more fruit to come as a result of the gospel. 
It's in your powerful name we pray. Amen.